You're listening to The Autos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories and the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Matt. And I'm Vod. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. Pharaoh community, should be noted, is the balance of power. Of the three powers... Only, it was known to men before the conflict between preservation and ruin came to head. In ferrochemy, power is stored up, then later drawn upon. There is no loss of energy, just a changing of the time and the rate of its use. Hemallergy is a power about which I wish I knew far less. To ruin, power must have an inordinately high cost. Using it most must be attractive, yet must sow chaos and destruction and its very implantation. In, in concept, it is a very simple art, a parasitic one. Without other people to steal from, hemallergy would be useless. In hemallergy, the type of metal used in a spike is important, and is positioning, as is the positioning of that spike on the body. For instance, steel spikes take physical alimentic powers, the ability to burn pewter, tin, steel, or iron and bestowed them upon the person receiving the spike. Which of these four is granted, however, depends on where the spike is placed. Spikes made from other metals steal ferrochemical abilities. For example, all of the original Inquisitors were given a pewter spike, which, after being pounded through the body of a ferrochemist, gave the Inquisitor the ability to store up healing power. They couldn't, though they couldn't do so as quickly as a real ferrochemist, as per the law of hemallergic decay. This, is, this obviously is where the Inquisitors get their infamous ability to recover from wounds quickly and was why they need to rest so much. So I remember in Final Empire that they were talking about how they would rest for a really, really long time. Um, yeah. And now we're, we're like literally just getting the explanation for that. Yeah, and I mean, look at how like slow we saw with uh, Sazed storing for the Siege of Luthada. Look how slow it takes for them to store it, and imagine if it's even slower for a Steel Inquisitor. Well, the funny thing is, is that what I love about the Hero of Ages, or this is this is Brandon throughout the Cosmere, is he'll dangle something in front of you, some sort of mystery, and you're thinking like it's going to be like a whole like build up to it, and then he'll just like tell you what it is. But mm-hmm. by that time, you've already got so many other questions. But it's just fun. I know. I mean, again, I always go back to his lectures because honestly, I found him through his lectures, which I think is the most the funniest thing. I just wanted to be a better dungeon master. But one of his lectures, he's like, he goes, "How do you lore drop on your readers? You know, without it being a wiki page lore drop?" He goes, "Well, you just drop it." Yeah. <laughs> well, it, the whole point was that you have to you, you just build it up, and then you're just gonna tell them. But but they're not even gonna be upset because you are, they already have five other questions that they're waiting for. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, going through now, we have chapter thirty four. I almost forgot to do the summaries. Yeah. <laughs> so chapter thirty four. These are gonna be really quick. So we get a March point of view, and he's heading to a clown. Uh, a clown a town very close to like this ash mount that's near Lufidel. And he ends up, he's looking for a noble Alamancer there. And he points out that Ruin wanted him to drain an Alamancer. So Marsh tracked this guy down and he basically stabs a spike through his heart and takes the power, takes the Alamantic power from him. 
Um, and he just, he just, we're getting the full all drop. He just straight up explains that driving the spike through the person directly into another person is how you get the most power out of it. But you can always prep a spike and transfer it, but it grants less power. Um, and it ends with him leaving and the ska begging for the Lord ruler to take them back. And he says, it's too late. Y'all have other problems. And the ash mount starts spewing lava. So 35, um, we get another spook point of view and he ends up taking breeze to like a tavern of a sort. And is like, I'm going to go talk to actual common people. Like, you know, like common, common people, not the underground essentially. And breeze is like, let me go with you. And spook's like, you're going to stand out. No, I won't. All right, here, let me get some mud and ash and put it on your face. And breeze is like, never mind, go by yourself. Uh, so thing here that's interesting is as he says that though, spook smiles and is all happy with breeze and Kelsier tells spook that he never liked him. Mm. Um, so Spook goes looking for Dern, and there are these brutes protecting him, and Spook decides that he is going to be a pewter-filled boy and just kicks the door in. And Dern, you know, goes to, to you know, confront Dern, and Dern's listening, like, let him talk. And he said, why are you using, you know, why are you claiming, you know, telling stories about me? He goes, I thought you were dead. I'm going to use your stories. I knew who you were. I figured it out pretty easy. You know, I'm surprised other people haven't figured it out at this point with how obvious you are. Um, but yeah, essentially is uh, essentially they they have a quick discussion and Dern's like, "Listen, I'm on your side. I'm totally for overthrowing the citizen. If you or any of your people need my help, just let me know." And Spook's like, "Why?" And he goes, "Because the citizen sucks for business." Like he goes, he goes, "We have these noblemen wine selling for one." one thousandth of what they should be selling for and most of the time that's even if we can find buyers because so p- many people are are too afraid to even buy the stuff he goes it's just not good for business um so spook tells Dern to help breeze but to not say that he sent him and uh Kelsier tells uh tells spook that killian's gonna send assassins towards the group and so spook needs to go kill him right now and spook's like mm. and starts to leave and one of Dern's followers, crew members, who one of the people who are with Dern comes out and tells Spook that his seven-year-old sister was taken, most likely to be executed, and that he needs Spook's help. And that's the end of 35. So 36. All right. Longer one with some good stuff in it. Good stuff. So we get Ellen's point of view. And he's making sure to ride around the camp to make sure that all of his soldiers can see him. And he's trying to be that presence there. And Seth's like, listen it was a mistake for you to go into the city. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I put myself in danger. Seth's like, no, I really don't care whether you die or not. So like, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that I know who you are and you now have a soft spot. You've seen their faces. They're people to you now. Therefore it's going to be that much harder for you to kill them all. Uh, when, when, when it comes to, it comes to it. And Seth tells him, he goes, listen, there's nothing wrong with having sympathy for another human life. That's okay. That's a weakness that, you know, a lot of rulers have. What makes a good ruler is the person who can squash their weakness, who can overcome it. Not stoke it. Yeah, exactly. Not stoke it. Um, A thing here, too, is another earthquake happens. And apparently earthquakes used to never happen. And now they're very frequent, happening like within like, you know, one every week, essentially, at this point, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um. Ellen notices, though, and it's literally you said this last episode, 
he notices that there is another side to set. Set underneath whatever he's putting out is a big softy, and he can just see it. And maybe that's why he's able to give such good advice there, where he's just straight up said, like, listen, it's not wrong to, to see these people as people, right? But you're a ruler, and you can't afford to do that. It's not wrong, but you shouldn't be doing it. Well, he notices that Seth's just worried about Orianne and, like, reassures him that she'll be fine. And uh, Demu is finally up and walking again. And wow, Demu drops some bombs on us here. We learn a lot here. So, out of the group that got sick, you know, some of them took weeks to recover while others recovered, fairly, like, relatively quickly. And Demu was a part of the group that took just forever to recover. A couple of weeks at least. Yeah, a couple of weeks. And there's rumors going around now that the mist is out and about as a way for Kelsier to punish those who lack faith. And yeah, you know, Set leaves and Demu lingers around and talks to him. And he just basically goes, listen, you know, Kelsier gave me the sickness because I'm not worthy. I don't want to be a general anymore. Relieve me of my post. And he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, look, 16% got sick. 5,000 out of his soldiers got sick. And he's like, that's 16%. He goes, most recovered in one day, but others took, you know, others took weeks. That was 350 of the 5,000. That's another 16%. And out of those, he goes, I was a part of that 16%. And it took us exactly 16 days to get better. <laughs> so um, Ellen's like, you, those are a lot of coincidences <laughs> because he, he's trying to downplay it now. He doesn't like, not, he doesn't not believe that there's something there. He just doesn't want to move freaking out well then he had some more coincidences oh like, yeah some uh, better ones yeah ready yeah here's ready 16 months is the number of months kelsier spent in the pits is that a number of months i thought it was days 16 days no 16 months really okay yeah. 16 months they were in there for a while okay 16 months were the the number uh uh yeah 16 is the number of months kelsier spent in the pits 16 years old was how old vin was when she became a misborn Ooh. okay and uh Ellen's like, listen, okay, Demu, those are a lot of coincidences, Demu. Um, but he's saying that, like, listen, you are proof that this is not a punishment for lack of faith. Me and you both know that, you know, I see how you are. So it has nothing to do with faith. And Demu actually kind of buys into this and goes, okay, maybe, like, you know, Ellen's not saying that there isn't something going on, but he's just trying to tell him it's not your faith. Like, you did great. But then Ellen goes, wait, this could be faith because Demu's the most faithful person I know. Is that what these people are? Are the most faithful people the ones who are becoming sick, at sl sick the longest? And before he can push on to that, they're shouting. And that's the end of uh, 36. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, 16. 16 keeps coming up man i just thought of something you know i don't we obviously couldn't do this but man why did we not plan on finishing like everything you know avoiding spoilers finishing everything all of mistborn in 16 weeks no oh, that would have been funny oh, we, we could have been like look how clever we are look how clever we are oh we're not that clever though no we are not you know we'll fix it in post indeed <laughs> Indeed, we'll 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 figure it out. We can do something. Maybe we can do the uh, 
some episodes disappear mm-hmm. <laughs> the combined into two <laughs> or we'll do this the summaries in 16 parts no, that, oh, that'd be something there we go there we go we're, okay we're clever yeah we're so we're so smart um okay so we get to see you know how spikes get made which we already did you know we talked about the hemorrhagic decay and things mm-hmm. like that we knew from the prologue you know, mm-hmm. that's when they, you know, took the terrorist men and they put the spike through his heart immediately into someone else. We we know what that Inquisitor was trying to do to Elend when, yep. he, when he attacked him with the spike. Yep, he went over and, and, and got him with the spike. Um, and I think even in that chapter it had mentioned that most times whenever they try to do a spike, it fails. Um, but they're so valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That'll be later on. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's gonna be in uh, the the other Mar- the Mars chapter. Um, then uh, we have Dern, uh, which Spook. Uh, it's funny enough because he had his own his own little thing coming up. Uh, he's starting to kind of, kind of get a little um, bit of a reputation, uh, mm-hmm. and Dern clearly has a lot of a lot of outreach. But it's funny because he's like, yeah, I really don't want to deal with this guy because my crime business is not is not really working out very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I know he has had told to get when hey, go talk to Breeze. You mm-hmm. know, he's a soother, so he's not going to be someone you can really trust. But he's only they'll take you up on your wanting to actually do stuff. Um, and then. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. With these chapters, we get we may, the main things that come out are, you know, we end up getting a spike, and we end up um, with this weird phenomenon when it comes to the mists. Uh, that was really the the big thing was with the Moo, uh, him arguing arguing with Ellen. Um, but one thing I wanted to really kind of hammer home here, which I hammered in kind of last chapter, was set. Um, mm-hmm. The subtext with set is really, really neat because um, it's not something I caught on my first read through when I when I saw him in Well of Ascension. I was like, oh, he's got principles and stuff like that. But it's even more than that. I, I look at these characters now in, in, through the lens of Elland because we talk about like Elland when he saw his friend um, mm-hmm. that I realized was our opportunity to see where he came from, you know. Um, that friend very well could have been Alan and almost probably would have been if he never met then, uh, if he was able to escape and go off, you know, and find some place to be, you know, where it's stable and everything like that, that makes sense. Uh, he would still be the kind of, you know, he probably would look down on if any one of his other friends had become what Ellen was and, Mm -hmm. and he would be like, why are you doing this? Why are you so terrible? You know, blah, 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 blah. Um, well, I kind of look at set through the through the lens of Ellen, um, where you know he's admits to being molded, you know, by Set at least a little bit. Um, Set, you can see he talks a lot of talk, but his actions show that he cares a lot more than you would think. Yeah, like for example, we talk. He mentioned um, his daughter Orianne, um, and Ellen picks up on the fact that he's worried about her. And he says, oh, I don't care. You know, it's fine that she he could just have her or whatever. Um, but uh, we also know that when she ran in Well of Ascension, uh, when she charged into the battle and he sent his whole army, you know, in 
basically to make sure that she was protected. Um, he didn't admit that that was why he he did it, but it's basically why he did it. Yeah. Um, and so we're just kind of seeing this like set as this kind of idealist guy. I mean, we also learned that he was a poet. Um, and they were like, uh, what was it? What's his name? Not Sweetwater. Uh, Swisslow. Swisslow. Yeah. Um, was you know talking about how the world just kind of caught up to him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's basically what happened to Ellen. I was going to say, like, you know, it really, like, I think it mentions sets older than Ellen, too, right? It really just seems like set could be seen as what Ellen would have to, you know, might be forced to eventually become if he just continues on this path, right? Like, he's just the farther, the furthest evolution at this point. You know, like you see, we see these little glimpses of set being a good person, right? You know, as we see Ellen, more of those glimpses of him being his old self, being that idealistic, that that naive kind of innocence, that just keeps slowly disappearing, and it just keeps disappearing and disappearing. And you can imagine that, like, we look at Set. Set was a poet, you know, and supposedly from Swiftslow, a, a dang good one, you know? Yeah, and then, I mean, that doesn't necessarily make you a good person, but it implies, you know, that he... He's got. He's not just some, some brutish guy. I was gonna say, I think more so what I was putting at is like you don't even have to be a good person, but like being someone who has like the the capability to be ruthless and killing. I feel like that's more so what I'm pointing towards. You don't yeah, even yeah. have to be like a good person for that. So it's like we could you can you know, we we see it like we see it on the inside, like you said, like or like I was talking about before. You know that the the foresight set has to go listen like. You know, coming from a guy who's like, who basically told Ellen, I'll kill you in a heartbeat if it meant, you know, if it meant uh, getting closer to the goal and retaining power and whatever. We we, we had this discussion in, in our in last book where we talked about how Set just seems like the guy who's like, he he wanted, he killed to stay in power, not because he loved it, but because he honestly thought he was the best choice. Right, right. And so like with coming into that, this is that same guy who we, we take from that. He goes to being able to look at Ellen and go, listen, almost like he's talking through experience. I get what it's like to see these people as people. And I realize how hard that's going to make this on you. But like, you don't have that luxury. You can't see them as people. Right. And his other thing was, uh, you know, he'd make a suggestion and Ellen, and it, like the, like poisoning the wells, you know, and Ellen's like, fine, I guess we'll do it, but we're going to put signs up with it. And he's, he was like, you're, you keep playing this halfway. Yeah, you're being, and that's a, you know, a pretty decent point. Like he's like, it's going to come and get you at some point. You keep trying to play both sides, but you know, you don't want to be as brutal as I am. And I want to be, you know, but you keep having to, you're in this point of where you feel like you need to force everything. So you're going to you're going to at some point going to have to cross that line. You know, you got to decide what's more important to you. Yep. Um, and I thought that was just like a really, really interesting, you know, take to have or talk to have because it shows a lot about set. Um, but it also kind of shows like, you know, where Ellen kind of came from. Um, one of the things I, I mentioned I've been pushing a lot lately is saying that Well of Ascension and Hero of Ages should have been one book um, because Well of Ascension feels like you know it was just a bunch of development uh and hero of ages we're seeing kind of the payoff of that and you can imagine ellen's meeting with his friend was literally basically saying like look at where he came from 
he came from, you know, going to these balls all the time, being someone who was super annoying. His friend was like, you were, you were a big, you know, always, we thought we were going to find you in a library and you were never going to come out or you're going to come out, you know, after reading a philosophical text 700 times or whatever. Um, He's like, I could not have imagined you, you know, being the way you are right now. Mm-hmm. And it's because of everything we saw that happened in Will of Ascension. And you get to see him, you know, talk with Set and be understandably like, yes, I don't want to do these things, but I know I have to. Um, but Set is saying, you aren't, you aren't all the talk that you said you are. You know, yeah. you are playing, you're, you're playing both sides right now and you're going to have to choose. Yeah, I mean, look at the way... Ellen just talked to his previous drinking buddy, his previous good friend. No hesitation. The guy was like, you're not going to actually do that, right, Ellen? And he's just like, no, 100%. I'm, if I have to, I'm going to attack the city and take it. Yeah. I, and, yeah. And that's the thing is like, um, he didn't, he, you're like you said, he didn't even hesitate with the way all of ascension, especially early on. He would have been like, oh, well, you know, well, and this is similar to what we saw earlier in this he book. Did, he didn't even try to defend himself either. It was just straight up. Yes. Yes. I'm well, going to do this. Well, and what, what did uh remember in the first chapter? He They were like, so you're a tyrant. He's like, yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly what I am. So let's move on, you know. And so I don't know. I just that's what I really when I when we first came up to the these chapters, that's what I really took back from was there were these little details that i was just trying to push through when i first read because i was so excited for all the information that was being dumped in that i was missing this part of it i was gonna i was actually gonna say that when you mentioned spook and brought that up and i started thinking about it too i went wow on the first read through there was just so much that i didn't appreciate because the plot was so exciting i just wanted to get back to it get back to it but when you actually take a moment to slow down and read these, like you realize how good, you know, Brandon set up the alley perfect, man. He tossed it up and right now he's dunking it. It is the setup's perfect. And uh I guess moving forward, right, we are going to essentially see Yeoman's play in the next couple of chapters on how he plans on defeating the ventures. Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.